Look at my butt. Show number 212 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Trek. Hello, butt fans. <laughs> the butt fans. We love our butt fans. We do, and we have big news. We do. We we are going to another convention Yay! in March, in March of 2016, and it's called Silicon Valley Comic Con. It's the first one. It's being put on by Steve Wozniak, apparently. I know. Um, he, he seems like he's the moving force behind this. Uh-huh. And why are we going? Well, there's only really one reason why we would go, and that's because Bill is going to be there. Bill is going to be there, and we, of course, will be having a room party. Of course. It's going to be great. Um, so it is March 18th to the 20th, and it's being held in uh, San Jose. And it they haven't announced any other guests yet. So just looking on the website, they're going to announce their guest list on uh, November 5th. Oh, okay. So we have to I'll wait a little while to see who else is going to come. Um, but it looks like it's going to be... You know, Star Trek and comic books and science fiction and movies and a whole bunch of stuff that's going to be all together. And Bill. And Bill, of course. And it's right before his birthday, too. So that's I wonder right. if it's going to be, you know, a little bit of a birthday celebration. We should all wish him happy birthday, I think. Well, yes. And um, you're going to ask him if you can sit on his lap. I will. Okay. I will do that. Yeah. Oh, great. Um, this room party may be a strange mix because I'm only in for the weekend. Mm-hmm. And the whole weekend is, is devoted to Comic-Con. So anybody else in the area who wants to see me, you know, friends and stuff, <laughs> I'm telling them, come to the room party. That's it. Yeah. So that sounds we'll, like we'll see how this works out. If anybody does show up or, or what. Yeah, it, it should be good. So it's at the um, San Jose Convention Center. Uh, which is right downtown in San Jose, and there's lots of public transportation to get there. And um, I forget what hotel it's associated with. I think it's the Marriott that's right there. I think so. Um, yeah, it's like attached to the convention center or right. something. Right, so you don't, but that you don't com- actually have to go out That into convention the center is huge. It is. It's gigantic. And it's actually really well located in San Jose. Mm-hmm. So um, it's not like in Rosemont, you know, when you're there, you go out the door, there's like a thousand restaurants, places to eat, you can walk around, there's, you know, you can sit down and enjoy the weather. I don't know what it's going to be like in March, but it's actually quite centrally located, yes. which is a good thing. And um, they're selling tickets on the site right now, mm-hmm. but I imagine that as it gets a little closer, there will probably be, you know, some discounts offered. If you're going to go for two days, what's the price for a two-day pass? Oh, they're not selling two-day passes. That's stupid. Um, a three-day pass is a hundred bucks, but um, for each day it's like fifty bucks. But mm-hmm. I, I assume they're going to sell a, a two-day pass. Oh, look, they have senior citizen passes. <gasps> That's oh. interesting. Sixty-two. <laughs> Oh, okay. I don't know if they're like going to ask for a uh, proof of age, but I've never seen a senior no. citizen pass. Well, it's an acknowledgement. It's <laughs> true of the really. audience. Wow! Wow! That's amazing. Yep, that's pretty funny. All right, so Silicon Valley Comic Con. If you're going to go, let us know. We'll keep putting information up on, especially on the Facebook site too, so we can kind of coordinate with sure. people. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, shall we talk about Murdoch Mysteries? Yes. Okay. So 
I know now that Murdoch Mysteries has been on for nine seasons, apparently. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, this was season nine. This is the second episode of season nine. I, I kind of have heard of it, but in my mind, it's it's sort of one of those shows that, like, my mother watches, like Ironsides or Matlock <laughs> okay, or something. Okay. You know? I don't know. Maybe that's not true. But... um. I didn't understand the premise of it at all. And I was like, this guy's talking to Mark Twain. Is this like a time traveling show or something? (laughs) And then I did a little research and I found out, no, it's not, in fact, a time traveling show. It just happens to be set in the past. So that took me a while to get over my Mm -hmm. confusion. Um, So we haven't talked about this since we watched it. What did you think of it? I have mixed feelings. (laughs) Um, I don't want to say Bill was phoning it in. Because Bill does not phone things in. Mm-hmm. But I know nothing. Of, I mean, I've read Mark Twain, but I know very little about his life or his personality and stuff. But it seemed to me that other than the attempt at the Southern accent and the <laughs> walrus mustache, that there was not a characterization happening there. Anything that was the least bit interesting was Bill, not mm-hmm. Bill as Mark Twain. Yeah. I'm going to agree with you there. Um, I, the thing that really struck me is that, um, and and I realize this, the show's been on nine seasons, right? So these mm-hmm. people have been working together a lot. There's obviously all this subplot stuff happening yeah, with the regular yeah, characters, yeah. which I was like, what? <laughs> What's her her gazebo burned down? What is this woman a, an arsonist? I don't know. <laughs> it was like, are, what are we supposed to think anyway? But the the people are all like people who have been on a soap opera for a long time and they kind of have their ways. Like mm-hmm. they're a little bit set in their ways. So their performances are, I'm sure, you know, are true to character and on that, but they seem very, very staid and, and very much in a certain uh, style, like mm-hmm. a little bit stagey, yes. a little bit, you know, not a lot of emotion going on for some people like Murdoch in particular, I felt was really like subdued, mm-hmm. dude, where's your personality? But then on the other hand, the two comic relief policemen were like, you know, Laurel and Hardy yes. slapstick way over the top. So that was weird. And Bill's performance was not as Mark Twain, as you say, mm-hmm. but was very much like a realistic Bill talking. Mm-hmm. And it, I thought his style was, it clashed a lot with the show. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that, but I think you're right. It, it just, he wasn't doing what everybody else was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought about that episode of Rookie Blue that he was in, where he was incredibly genuine and um real in his role and that perfectly fit the show because you know despite sort of the the 20 something vibe of that show everybody else was kind of going for realism too Mm -hmm. so it was good it really worked but it it, for me it didn't work on this particular show because he was going for a realistic person even though it wasn't mark twain where and everybody else on the show was kind of like you know here's my cardboard cutout character that i'm holding up yes yes you're right. So that was weird. And um, I just, you know, did the dir- directors not really direct him in this kind of stuff? I don't know. <laughs> They're afraid. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> and, you know, never having watched any other Murdoch mysteries, it's possible the other actors were sort of intimidated just by him being Bill and pulled back a little. 
Mm-hmm. I think that's instead of true. rising to his level. <laughs> I think that that's true. I, I thought that one scene where the the one dude I can't remember his name, the one cop was was like you know flipping out because it was Mark Twain being mm-hmm. all fanboyish, and I was like, oh, that's a joke, right? Because yes. that's how everybody feels about having William Shatner on the show. Yes, like oh yes. my God, Mr. Shatner, what an honor to meet you. Yep. So um, I would be interested in hearing from people who watch Murdoch Mysteries, because I think some of our listeners do watch it. Um, Like, what's the deal with the show? Is it always like this? Like, do they have guest characters come in with plots that aren't actually related to reality? Mm -hmm. Because as far as I know, nobody ever shot at Mark Twain. Um, Is it... Is it always this this soap opera e where there's all this stuff going on behind the scenes? Well, to be honest, you know, I don't watch an awful lot of, of series TV, but I think ever since the the original show Dallas mm-hmm. and their their cliffhangers, which just shot the ratings through the sky, I think all TV shows now have a certain amount of this continuing soap opera thing. Hmm. And mm-hmm. there really aren't, to me, all that many that you could just pick up and enjoy anywhere. They're not as episodic. Now, there, yeah. there are exceptions. I mean, even though there's a continuing story, if you're new to it, you're not going to have any trouble figuring out what's going on in Big Bang Theory and maybe mm-hmm. Modern Family. You know, the, I think it's mm-hmm. a little different for the comedies. But the dramas, I can't pick them up mid-season. Yeah, there's too much going on. I remember I used to watch ER back in the early mm-hmm. days. And for the first, like, two or three seasons, it was much more episodic. Like, you could just dive in. Right. And you, you got a feel for who the characters were immediately. And then mm-hmm. suddenly they decided that they needed to, to do more with the characters' backstory. And then it became all about the characters and not so much about this week's medical mystery. Right. Um, and I think um, Law and Order for a long time, though, was very episodic. Like, you didn't need mm. to know anything about the characters. You could just watch it. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I, I don't know. It, you know, it was it. It's a cute show, I guess. I'm not trying to be too dismissive of it, but it's. Um, it was just a an interesting show that I didn't know existed, and apparently it's huge in Canada, and it's it's like this thing because it's Canadian history. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, and I, I think it's kind of nice that um, Bill is doing these Canadian shows, kind of. Yes. You know, not a, a return to his roots because I don't think he did that much television when he was a mm-hmm. Canadian actor. But the, you know, the shows get more attention that way, and it's sort of the the thing about when you're successful, it is your obligation to help others yes. a, it, achieve their success where you can. And as we said when we reviewed it, we both thought he did just a dynamite job in Rookie Blue. Yeah, yeah. Um. So so good for you, Bill. Yeah, of course. You know, it's great that he does these things. I wonder um, if he wanted that mustache, you know, like like they, they brought out a mustache and they were like, how about this? And he said, no, make it bigger. I want it bigger. <laughs> well, you know, the other thing I was go I, that I had very mixed feelings about was I was going, he doesn't look a damn thing like Mark Twain. <laughs> no, not at all. And then they I was wondering, anything... would, the, would big white hair help? Yes, that's what I was wondering and too. Then why, I thought... why not the hair? <laughs> I don't know. It, I think that might make it worse. 
Uh, it was it was amusing. So maybe we'll be treated to one of those a year from now on. Yeah. Like next year, what is the can- next Canadian show that he's going to be in? Well, I don't know. I don't know much tele- Canadian television. Well, they got a whole industry going on up there. I know. Apparently. I know. We get some of it. Yeah. So if anybody who's listening um, wants to see Murdoch Mysteries, um, I can hook you up, but I'm sure it will show up um, on YouTube or something at some point. I think um, it will be on American cable, but not till next year. Like there's a year delay oh, okay. from when they do it. And then they show it on the Ovation channel, which is like A&E in yes. Canada, but yes. it, it, you get it here. So, okay. So there we go. Well, that's cool. Um, yeah, but talking about countries where Bill is, um, right now he's in Australia. Yes, or, or, he is. Yeah, and we just watched an amazing little interview with him that was on um, Yahoo TV in Australia. That's what station this was. I didn't realize that. No, but, oh, is that what the station was? I believe so. Okay, it's, well, the it's, show it's, was called Sunrise. So right, I'm... so Sun, Sunrise is the, the Yahoo TV brand i think oh, in australia yeah okay. is that weird I yes that. yes um and so he got to be interviewed by um a beautiful woman um host with blonde hair and very blue eyes and he was just flirting his little head off <laughs> he opens the interview when she says welcome mr shatner or something he says how are you blue eyes and he is practically licking his chops he was being so charming with her. And I have to say, he looked really good. Oh, he did. Um, maybe lost a little weight again. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was definitely looking good, and he was totally on for the interview. They showed some clips from the show, which looks much like the show that we saw. Although I have to say, he looked like he was playing it maybe a little more broadly than way when we saw him do some of those same bits. Um Maybe that's possible. You know, some of it might have to do with the size of the house, which mm, we don't true. know. Um, another true. thing is, you know, he's been doing this a lot. So mm-hmm. sort of to keep himself interested, he might be exploring different ways of doing it. Mm-hmm. But it, it looked good. You know, it's the same show. It's mm-hmm. him and he has a chair and he's pushing the chair around the stage and doing things. It was great. So um, she just got to talk with him about coming to Australia and all the things that he's done. And he got to expound on his philosophy of life and saying that, you know, you have to you have to really live life in the moment. And and then he was saying how important it is to just be aware of everything right now, like the blue eyes of the woman who happened (laughs) to be interviewing him. It was great. It was really good. Um, so I think that he made a bet with himself that he could get her totally flustered by the end of the interview, mm-hmm. and he totally won that bet with himself. Well, he's, he's Bill. <laughs> I mean, if Bill were to to flirt with you at all or even oh. say, hello, beautiful, wouldn't you just... It wouldn't take more than just a few seconds. Oh, you I know. know. It would be instantaneous. So... Um, she did comment on the fact that he was being quite charming and smooth, and he said, yes, that's my name, William Ch- <laughs> Smooth and Charming Shatner. <laughs> so true. It's very, very true. And yes, she did get a little bit flustered, and she had to, I noticed that she had to, like, look down to her notes and be like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> it was great. 
Oh, you lucky, lucky reporter. Mm, yeah. So you go, Bill. So yeah, so he, he's been in Australia. He's doing his one-man show. He finished up the thing in Asia for the reality show. And then I think he's either coming back or he is just back from Australia, according to his Twitter. I, I couldn't quite tell. Okay. Yeah. Well, he, I, I, uh, I like to when she said to him, you just it sound so busy. How do you... Mm, you know, keep mm-hmm. all this up. And he was saying, well, I, I pace myself all through the day. Yep. So I'm prepared to do this 100-minute show. Yeah. And I thought, see, that's Bill is such a pro. Mm-hmm. He knows all he has to do is show up. But he never just shows up. He is prepared, and he's going to give it his all. And he he understands his obligation to the audience, the paying audience. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. It It's interesting to just hear about um, what a day might be like for him when he's doing a show as opposed to his normal day, which mm-hmm. I assume, you know, involves doing 27 different things all the time. But when it's a show, yeah, he really has to be in preparation for that 100 minutes when he has to be on totally for the audience so he won't disappoint them. You know, I just thought of a good question to ask him. Mm -hmm. I would be very interested to know that when he's doing live performance, as opposed to appearing at conventions, but when he's Mm -hmm. doing his one-man show, Mm -hmm. does he have any preparation rituals or warm-ups that that he does, you know, like to warm up his voice or physically or get himself – into the mindset yeah that's an excellent question yeah that's good all right i've written it down oh good (laughs) because you're gonna have a full conversation with him (laughs) i hope so (laughs) that will be great oh okay um well you had sent another little thing that was about uh, bill getting an award another award because he needs more yes he's getting a voiceover award because he has done quite a bit of voiceover in his career, although that's not the main thing. And um, it's it's called the Voice Arts Icon Award. Mm-hmm. And I have not found any information about when this is actually <laughs> happening. But from reading the article, it sounds like, you know, the voiceover people are very excited about this because Bill is news, you know. Oh, yeah. Bill shows up at your event. Reporters show up at your event, you know, and uh, and so I'm like, great, that is another media conquered. Yeah, I, I like the fact that this was covered in an online um, journal called the Voiceover Herald. <laughs> <laughs> Not the Voiceover Bugle. No, 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 or or the Bee or anything else. It's, it's the Herald. Let me, let me scan this a little bit more. It says. Um, Oh, here it is. It's the 15th of November. Oh, okay. And it's going to be in Hollywood at uh, some something. And I, I think the award they're giving him is like a, um, it's like a lifetime achievement kind of yes, award. Like yeah. It's not specifically for a performance. It's just to recognize the body of work that he's done. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love this paragraph. This year, he adds to his mantle. It doesn't go on his mantle. It goes by the waterfall. That's right. The 2015 Voice Arts Icon Award. From his work as the voice of Captain Kirk in the animated series, several voice acting work in both film and television series, the wake-up call in um, for the space shuttle Discovery, Yay! to several tongue-in-cheek commercials, Shatner has extended his greatness to the voiceover world. He has blessed them. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. I think that's wonderful. (laughs) Extended his greatness. And then I liked his statement, too. He says, in voiceover work, the fewer the words, the better the message. I am honored by this award. Period. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. And it's very Bill, isn't it? 
It is. It's totally Bill. So that's awesome that he's getting recognition just for that because yep. he deserves it. You know, I meant to say, um, as we were talking about the um, flirty interview that he just mm-hmm. did, I thought his voice was in wonderful shape. <gasps> oh, yes. It really was. You know, it was rich said, and resonating and down was. in that lower register. Oh. Yep. And both in the interview and in the clips they showed from his show, he just mm-hmm. sounded terrific. And, well, that's kind know, of why I was wondering about warm-ups. Mm-hmm. You know, we've heard him, I think, in some interviews when he sounded a little scratchy or, mm-hmm. or something, but he's obviously been taking care of his voice just to do the live shows. Of course. And it was just thrilling to hear him talk, as you say, yes. in the lower registers. So, so wonderful. It is. Ooh. <laughs> well, I want to read you yes. and our lovely listeners the notes I took on Christmas Horror Story. Oh, please, please do. Okay, this is a a movie that's out, um, and Bill is in it. It's called Christmas Horror Story. Very upfront about that. I was able to watch it on Xfinity On Demand. Ah, okay. So, you know, you may be able to to just watch it at home. Um, And I was scribbling notes, but just to give you kind of an overview, this is Christmas Eve in a town where... There's way too much horror going on. <laughs> it's like Stephen King Town or something. Well, but it's all going on at the same time and in little little pieces, and I couldn't really follow it, which is why my notes are going to be strange. At the beginning, though, I had kind of high hopes for it, or at least oh. thought it might be watchable, because the name of the town is Bailey Downs. Bailey Downs. And I was thinking, George Bailey. Bailey? It's a yeah, wonderful life, and it takes okay. place on... Christmas Eve. Okay. Totally. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, Santa is in this movie. And so one of the first scenes we see is the North Pole. And Santa's house looks like the Wicked Witch's castle. <laughs> okay. I didn't know he lived in a castle. Well, he does. <laughs> um, Bill is a radio DJ in this uh-huh. town. Okay. And his name is Dangerous Dan. (laughs) And the fun thing is, it's Christmas Eve, and later in the movie, because things are going on, people can't get anywhere, there's something terrible happening at the mall, his um, weatherman or whatever he is has disappeared, he has to stay on the air. And he keeps getting drunker as he's broadcasting. And it is pretty funny, because he doesn't overplay it. But um, at one point early in the movie, I think it might be the weatherman who later dis- disappears, you know, says something like, I'm not doing the damn weather, fuck this or whatever. <laughs> Bill's line is, you know who saw that? Jesus saw that. <laughs> and his dad. Wow. Okay. So, so he's sort of the the like the continuing thread through all the horror. He is, and yeah. it's completely unnecessary because it doesn't help this make any more sense. But this is some of the things the movies ha- the movie has: dead teenagers, uh-huh, about okay. to be dead teenagers, <laughs> Krampus, who is the anti Santa. Have you ever heard uh-huh. of him? Oh yes, I've heard of him. Okay, he's, um, it's a European thing. Yeah. Okay. Um. Elves who are killed and become the undead. Undead elves. Undead okay. elves and a okay. changeling. <laughs> um, 
at one point it's revealed that somebody was born with a call uh-huh and yeah. and and the other person goes a call and he goes yeah it's a head helmet <laughs> okay that's not really what it is okay the elves somehow have become possessed or are being killed by krampus and then they become the undead and santa turns into like bruce willis or something he rips an elf's head off and beats him to death with it. Um, let's. <laughs> okay, I'm just I'm a little shocked. Keep going. Okay, um, and Bill keeps getting drunker, and he's really slugging back this eggnog. It's pretty cute. Um, I don't know why I wrote this down. I guess it made me laugh. Bill says something about he has a master's degree from Columbia or something like that. I think he's talking about the weatherman. Oh, I was going to say Santa. Santa has. <laughs> um, there's nuns keeping pregnant girls locked up okay. and ghosts of these things. Uh, there's a teenager who another teen, undead teenager grabs him by the throat and pushes him against the wall so he's like a foot off the ground. Uh-huh. And then she breaks his neck and takes her hand away and he still sticks to the wall. What? Yeah. Yeah. Now, there's an old lady with a German accent <laughs> who lives in a big mansion with a giant cross on the door. Oh, is she Frau Brucher? Yes. And she also has... In her front yard, snowy front yard, a can of gasoline. Sure, why not? <laughs> why not? Just because. Um, she's the exposition police. Oh, all right. And all she right. doesn't come in until far too late. Um, and, and she tells this, this teenager that Krampus is the hunter of the wicked. So is she related to Chekhov in some way? That's is what that... I was wondering. And at one oh. point, Santa says, Merry Christmas, motherfucker, before he kills somebody. Krampus, who I've never seen pictures of before, I had heard of him. He has ram's horns on his head. Uh-huh. Um, the only way we know something horrible is going on at the mall is from Bill. Mrs. Santa is pretty hot. <laughs> and uh, Santa, when he finally encounters Krampus, says... I knew it. Krampus, vile enemy of Christmas. <laughs> then we cut to the mall where the, the, um, the mall Santa, who turns out to be the weatherman, Norman, is about to kill someone. And then real Santa, we keep cutting back and forth between the mall and the North Pole, where real Santa is just killing lots of people. Uh-huh. And then finally the cops bring it at the mall and shoot Santa Norman, and uh, Bill says at the end, and he's drunk, keep love in, in your hearts and treat every Christmas like it might be your last. <laughs> and then Bill is continuing to broadcast over the credits, and I can't uh-huh. remember what he says, but at one point he goes, don't you Google that. <laughs> So, uh, I tell okay. you, impulse makes is is great literature makes so much more sense than I, this. I am just I'm so confused. Like your recap was probably really clear compared to the actual plot, but um, I'm just like trying to figure out. So, was this meant to be a comedy? Is it just a comedy? Well, I kind of thought maybe it is supposed to be a horror movie spoof because every yeah. horror in the world is there except maybe werewolves. 
Um, but it, it, it doesn't succeed on horror or comedy level. Uh-huh. Um, okay, so it couldn't make up its mind, maybe? Maybe, or it thought it was doing something that it wasn't. Yeah. Uh, Bill is pretty funny and, and cute as the as the DJ. And so, you know, if you want to spend the, the four ninety nine to see it on demand, you know, you could just fast forward and see the Bill things. Okay, so... Does Bill get to meet up with Santa or Krampus at any point, or is he just nope. separate? He's just okay. in the broadcasting booth. Okay. So they filmed all his stuff separately from the rest of the in cast. In like one day, I think. <laughs> that's, that's why he took that job. Yeah. They were like, Bill, it's one day. You don't have to move. You just get to sit here and pretend you're drunk. And he was like, sign me up. Yep. And he's wearing uh, glasses, and you know I think he looks so cute and sexy in glasses. Oh, okay. Well, that's nice. Yes. That's nice to see. Yes. So, um, I, I don't know what the thumb sign is for totally confused. It's not thumbs up or thumbs down. Maybe it's a thumb war or something. Thumb war, yeah. Wow. That sounds really, really wacky. Well, I wonder if, let's see, was it a Canadian production? Maybe. Oh, I don't know. Um, maybe it was done by some people that he knew, you know, friends of Mm -hmm. his in the industry or people that one of his daughters is married to. That could be. Right. Just trying to come up with reasons why he would commit to doing this. Certainly, it's not for the money or for the visibility. <laughs> that doesn't work for him Maybe anymore. he just went, I've never done a Christmas movie. Another media I must conquer. He's done a Christmas oh, movie. Oh, he did. He did that, that Tory Spelling That's right, Christmas yeah. Carol thing. Right, yeah. Well, and he's done a horror movie, too, because he That's... he did... um. The Esperanto movie was a horror movie, basically. That's true. I mean, you could almost say Impulse was a horror movie in some ways. <laughs> uh, Impulse was a, 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 a carnival of suspense. <laughs> Complete with carnival strongman outfit. That's right. That's exactly right. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, well thanks for watching that. Thanks for taking a bullet for the team uh, and, and watching it. At one point, I was just like tuned out going, okay, I'm just going to look when Bill is on. And then something happened. And I went, oh, my God, I got to write this down, you know. So I ended up with like three pages of totally unrelated notes. <laughs> and I just read them to you in the order in which I scribbled okay. them down. Well, I think that was probably the best report that you could have put together. <laughs> Given the the thing, the content, yes. Yep. All right, then. Well, good. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. And uh, we're trying hard, folks, to stay on top of all the stuff that Bill is doing. It is a challenge, even with two people working on it. It's true. I feel pretty good that we knocked off that and then the Murdoch Mysteries, you know, in in one go. So that was good. We need interns. (laughs) Minions. Staff. I do want to mention in in terms of keeping up with stuff that I have totally fallen behind in the Trek class stuff. Oh, I haven't even done anything. I haven't even gone to class yet. It's, it's, so what happens is. This is my high school dream. Oh God. Yeah, really. Um, you don't have to be a member of the class. What you mm-hmm. can do is, if you want to participate or just watch it, you go to the website, which I think is StarTrekClass.com, and you uh, he puts together a video every week, and the video is like um, 
your class. So you sit there and it's it's not him standing up and lecturing. Mm-hmm. It's a voiceover and he's put together a whole bunch of clips. Oh, cool. Um, and it's good. And um, then there's some supplementary material linked there. So in the first episode, he talked about um, wagon trains. So there's some clips of wagon trains. So you can see what wagon train was like. And then they talked. he talked about um, the lieutenant. So there's some clips of the lieutenant. So you can watch that if you want to see what it's like. Okay. And it's all to give you the context of what was happening. Mm-hmm. So that I think that's very good. And there's loads of links in the description and the, the notes for that class. So you can explore further if you want to go online and look up other articles. It's, it's really well put together, but it's a lot. You know, it's mm-hmm. an hour to watch the class every week. And then if you were to actually go through all the supplemental materials, it would be like probably another three or four hours if you did and explored everything that he's given there. So it's just a lot. Well, as one of my college professors informed us, much to our shock, <laughs> The rule of thumb is for every hour in classroom, you are supposed to put in three hours outside of classroom. Yeah, this is pretty much what this is like, wow. I would say. So there's also... I wish discussion. it was being brought to us by McGill University. <laughs> Wouldn't that be cool? It would be cool. They could film it in the Shatner building. They could. That would be awesome. They need a statue of him. They don't have one? Well, he's their most famous graduate. I know. Maybe there is a statue. We should look that up. Okay. I know. Yeah, that's a media that needs to be conquered. (laughs) Statues. (laughs) There is a a discussion thing happening on Google+. So if you want to join, you can go and people post questions and, and they're talking about the material and then other things and it seems to be pretty active it's kind of weird that they chose google plus though because like nobody uses google i plus. know <laughs> i think google plus is probably going to go away at some point so i think it is too yeah like and next I, week i feel like they could yeah they could have chosen a little easier interact in interactive format for it because with google plus it, it's like you get email notifications of when someone starts a new discussion topic and then you have to go and read them and for me I just function a lot better in a like a reddit sort of environment Mm -hmm. where there's threads and you can follow the threads and just jump in and out as you want to and you're not constantly getting all these stupid email notifications yeah yeah I guess I could shut that off uh, but anyway, so I encourage people to go, you know, um, the material's really interesting and he's covering a lot of different topics and it seems like a cool thing. I just, I wish I had more time for it. Yes. Well, let's take a break. Yes. And then we will that. come back. We have some really big, exciting topics. So stay tuned. We do. We- Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Listeners, we'd love to hear from you. Send email to lookathisbutt at gmail.com and leave comments at lookathisbutt.blogspot.com and please visit us at the Look At His Butt Facebook page. All right, we're back. We are back. We've been watered and uh, <laughs> checked in with our pets. Checked in with our pets. 
made sure everything was good. So we've got uh, three different things that we want to talk about. And the first thing is an article that was just posted in the New York Times, of all places, that is about um, our good friend Elvis Kirk. <laughs> Uh, as as listeners will know, we have watched some of these things, either Star Trek The New Voyages, and Elvis Kirk is a guy named James Cawley, yes. who is the executive producer, producer excuse me, um, he also writes and directs and also appears in them, so it's pretty much all him all the time, plus his trusty staff of people who do it. Well, you know, the rule of thumb is that any movie in which one person has more than three functions, you're in trouble. <laughs> It really seems like uh, a labor of love for him. Oh, yeah. This is just a thing that he wanted more than anything. And he made it happen, which is amazing. Um, It says that he set up a nonprofit to fund this sort of thing, Mm -hmm. which is amazing. And I guess he also supports himself as an Elvis Presley tribute artist. There's a lovely picture of him sitting in the captain's chair with his jet black Elvis pompadour going on. <laughs> well, in the article, too, it says he hired professional actors for the leads. I'm assuming he mm-hmm. counts himself among them. But um, so he replaced the the McCoy and Spock he had because they were pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. And um, he's gotten a lot of professional help. And one of the contributing writers is David Gerald. So Mm -hmm. he has gotten people from the show to come and do this thing with him. Right. And as with all other fan productions, because they don't charge for it, Paramount doesn't give a shit and just lets them do it. Yeah. Uh, and this I thought was so interesting that over Labor Day weekend, they had a little con for it that was called, because the town that they filmed it in is Ticonderoga, uh-huh. it was called Trek Conderoga. Oh, that's cute. Yes. And it says, fans rubbed shoulders with actors who made guest appearances on early Trek episodes like Sally Kellerman and Sean Kenny and Barbara Luna, Don Marshall and Louise Sorrell. And then uh, reading further, they actually had some quotes from Sean Kenny and I was going, ah, That lunatic. No. Crazy Pike. Crazy, crazy Pike. So uh, you should all read this article because it's very interesting and it just gives a little backstory into what's happening. It sounds like people had a great time at the con, so that's Mm -hmm. wonderful. And fan films are getting bigger and bigger. Oh, they are. So I had put out a little call on Facebook for recommendations, and I now have a bunch of them that I'm mm-hmm. going to watch through. But, you know, they're long. A oh, lot of yeah. them are an hour or an hour and a half. So it's, again, time management. I need to actually right. block out the time to sit in front of the TV and watch and take notes so that I can report accurately on them. One of the little tidbits that I loved from this article is that they were making this series in um, some different spaces, and now they finally have a studio, and it's inside an old family dollar store. Yes. And there's a picture of it from the outside, and it looks just like a family dollar store. So no one knows it's a Starship (laughs) Enterprise. Exactly. It's like a TARDIS. It is. It's so plain from the outside, and you walk in, and it's the wonder of Star Trek. Yes, yes. So you should all go and read that article because it's really good. And it was in the Times, which yeah. is cool. Like, wow, great coverage in a, a major news outlet. So that's awesome. Now, two little things. We're going to try to keep them little before we get to the big topics that just occurred to me. Speaking of actors who appeared in episodes, um, I'm very sad to report that Bruce Hyde has passed away. Oh, I saw that. Yes. And yeah, he wasn't even an old guy either. Mm-mm. So that was that was very sad. Yes, yes. So, you know. Um, good voyage to you, Bruce, and yeah. sing I'll Take You Home Again, Kathleen. Uh, he, was, he was awesome in his two appearances. They should have had him as a continuing character. Yes. Now, um, 
while we're on the topic of Kirk impersonators, tell us about Mud's women. <laughs> oh, that's right. I forgot. I It was great. It was so good. So long-time listeners will remember that we went to see this very show years and years and mm-hmm. years ago. I can't even remember how long ago it was. It was one of our early um, it was. field trips. It was. So this was in San Francisco, and this was um, – they had a run. They did it for like a month on the weekend. Really? And, and yeah, oh, I'm so yeah, happy really for it. them. And it's in a place in San Francisco called the Oasis, which is on 11th Street, which is where there's a lot of clubs. Mm-hmm. And they do a lot of drag stuff there. It's primarily sure. a, a drag place. And it's little, but it's way bigger than the place that we saw it in the first time, which Mm -hmm. held, what, like 10 people or something? Yeah, not very many. Yeah. um, So this place is like a bar. It has a little tiny stage in that area. But then they have a whole separate room with a proper stage and and seating with tables and stuff. So there must have been, you know, a good 50 or 60 people in there, Uh which was awesome. And they had um, drinks. Oh, I forgot. I I stole the... um, Of course, I stole something. Of course. It it was the drink menu, and it had, they had clever names for some of the (gasps) drinks. I have to take a picture of it. There was like a beam me up Scotty in it. Oh, oh, that's great. I love that. So I'll take a picture and I'll put it on Facebook so people could see. Um, and so it was, it was really nice. So it was in a room and the, the set was really good. They did a great job on it. Um, as I pointed out there, they did not use gumdrops this time. I was disappointed (laughs) when I heard that. Because I thought, it oh, was, maybe she'll get a picture of the gumdrop chair, you know, during no, intermission no. or something. It was um, it was normal set stuff, and it was great. The best part, I have to say, were the costumes and the makeup, especially on um, the drag queens who did the, the three women. Yes, yes. Women. The costumes were amazing. Mm. They looked just like the costumes from the series. So they've got and a little money in this now. They, they did. They spent a lot of love and care and money on making it look really, really good. And Lee Crow as Captain Kirk is just the best. She is the best. She is so superb. Um, did she do the stump the captain during the mission? She did. Oh. She did stump the captain, oh. which was great, and and that was awesome. And she just there's something about her Kirk, even in the moments where she's not performing. Her her like Shatner, her background acting and listening oh. is tremendous. It's yes. just so good. Yes. Oh, how wonderful. Now, um. I'm forgetting her last name, but did Lori play Harry Mudd again? Oh, gosh. I would have to look up the name of the, the woman who oh, played Oh, okay. Mudd. Okay. Um, some of the cast were the same and some were different. Mm-hmm. And um, the the dude who played Uhura was amazing. <laughs> Just so funny, hilarious, and great, and looked terrific. And they really played up the height differences. So Lee is not a tall person. No. And, and – um, Uhura was like six foot two, and the Mud's women were also in their huge high heels, like six three, <laughs> and, and with six, big four, wigs. With big wigs, and so it was really, really funny. Just the contrast in height between mm-hmm. the, you know the two of them, and um, the 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 character of Eve was was terrific. The guy who did that was really good; like he could really act, mm-hmm. and that brought a really nice you know theme to it. So it wasn't you know there was a lot of play on the fact that they're drag queens and they're being really over the top and they even had a little intermission part where they were dancing to go-go music which was very funny Uh um but but when i I will say she because of the character was was doing her dramatic stuff it was really good it was really well done so it wasn't all you know surfacey goofy stuff there was some real acting Mm -hmm. and and good drama happening at the same time i just love that 
it was delightful and everybody loved it and people were clapping and it was it was just a terrific night and I saw that they had sold out some of the nights that they performed Mm -hmm. so it was obviously a really really popular thing that is so great so I it was wonderful I wish they would tour with it um maybe who knows but uh, if they ever do it in San Francisco again, I would totally recommend that people go see it. Oh, yeah. It's just oh, yeah. so much fun. And and the drink that I got was very, very strong, and that was also good. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> yes. I enjoyed that. Okay. So thank you for reminding me. It had sort of slipped my mind that I did it. So much happened. It just occurred to me when you were saying the, the Kirk Elvis impersonator. I went, oh, my God, Lee Crow. we got to talk about that. Oh, oh so, so amazingly cool. Um, okay. So uh, we were going to talk about The Martian. Yes, The Martian. Let's do that first. Okay, The Martian, for those of you who don't know, is a huge movie. It's at the mm-hmm. top of the box office. It's knocking off all the, the, the kiddie movies and the superhero movies. It's number one. And um, Matt Damon is in it. And I saw the movie. You mm-hmm. read the book. I read the book. Okay. Yeah, that's right. So we're going to kind of do a little comparison. Um, do you want to briefly summarize the plot? Oh, sure. It's pretty simple. Oh, wait. Spoilers ahead. Oh, yes. Spoilers. Big spoilers. Um, There's a mission to Mars. A manned mission, I should say. So there's people on Mars. A terrible accident happens. Everybody leaves except one dude who they think is dead. Turns out he's not dead. And he has to figure out a way to survive on Mars until help can come and get him. Which is going to be four or five years away. Right. So it's a long time until Mm -hmm. somebody's going to come. And so... There's a little station, like a temporary sort of station that's there. So he does have a place to go into and he has to figure out how to eat and drink and survive and do stuff over this long period and also how to establish communication with Earth again so that they know he's alive. And the whole story is his inventiveness. Yes. So how is he going to do this and how is he going to keep from going crazy and are they really going to rescue him? Yes. Good job. Um. The movie, again, I don't know if it's in the book, but it has a line that I think is going to to be as big a line as, um, frankly, Madam, I don't give a damn, and all those <laughs> other ones. Here's looking at you, kid. Um, when he realizes, you know, he's he's left alone, they've all left, he just kind of looks around and says, I'm going to have to science the shit out of this thing. <laughs> and... I, I mean, it sounds like, so So you watch him try to scrape out a living? Well, yeah, but oh my God, it's so engrossing. Mm-hmm. And um, and I just, after I saw it, I said, I wish every middle schooler in the world would go see this. Mm-hmm. So they could see how valuable and exciting science, chemistry, botany, intelligence, mm. knowing things beyond what's on Facebook is. Mm-hmm. I, I would love, love for that to happen. Um, is that line in the book? Do you remember? You know, I don't remember. And if it is, it's not delivered so dramatically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I have to ask, how is Matt Damon? I don't like him very much as an actor. He's in, good. In some things. He's good. Okay, he, that's good to know. He is good, and I read a little bit afterwards about, uh, you know, like an interview with him and talking about working on it. And he said something I just, I just thought was so great. He said, um, Ridley Scott's the director, mm-hmm. and when they were talking about it and the character and everything, he said to Ridley, "I do not want, and I won't do a big emotional breakdown." 
pounding mm. on the, the console or anything. He said, those aren't the kind of people that NASA sends on missions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he said, I don't want to do that. And honestly, it's almost a commercial for NASA. It's <laughs> good. I, but good. But I got to tell you, before I saw it, somebody, a friend of mine posted on Facebook and they summed the movie up perfectly. They said, if you saw Apollo 13, you remember the scene where they said, we've got to fit this into this using nothing but these, right? Mm-hmm. He said, if you wish the whole movie had just been scenes like that, <laughs> you will love The Martian. <laughs> now, I'm going to do a really, really big spoiler. So if you've been listening up until now, drop out for a couple of minutes. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting in the audience. And um, back on Earth, he's finally managed to establish communications, and they are trying to figure out how to get supplies to him. And they send one rocket up, and it blows up immediately, Mm -hmm. and it's like, oh, shit, now what do we do, you know? Because these things take an incredible amount Mm -hmm. of planning. And this one technician says, "Um, yeah, it would almost be easier to, and he stops. And he wanders off. And we don't find out really what his solution is until later. But I'm sitting there whispering to myself, slingshot around the sun. Slingshot around the sun. I just was like, please, please. But but what they do, though, isn't it like a slingshot around the earth or It something? is. It is. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I was half right. Thanks oh, to Star Trek. Oh, that is so funny. Yes. That's great. Oh. But I I most definitely do recommend this movie. Um and you know, we were talking about when you see movies with heroes, you gotta ask yourselves how good a Kirk is this. Mm-hmm. Um so much of what he does is is very Kirkian, you know, mm-hmm. as far as um imagination and innovation and determination. Termination. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, he's got some great lines. You know, he's got some humor, which we were talking about last time. Kirk was a, a hero who actually had a sense of humor. And uh, at one point when they're proposing their new new way of retrieving him, he says, okay, let me get this straight. You're going to do this, 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 and you're kind of counting on but selling it to me with the phrase, the fastest human ever. And I got to admit, I do like that. <laughs> and I mean, there's just, it's, you know, somebody said to me, it's long. It's like two hours and 20 minutes. I went, really? Wow. Okay. And you know, I get very impatient when it goes over yeah. 20 minutes. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Um, so uh, th- that's awesome. And um, should we give the big spoiler away at the end? No. Okay. No, because I didn't know it, and I was glad I didn't. Okay. Um, so I read the book at the beginning of the year, because the book's been out for a while. Oh, yeah. And it it um, got a lot of traction and became really huge in science fiction community. Mm-hmm. It sort of jumped to the top of everybody's list. And um, it's a really good book. So it's a very easy-to-read book, despite all the science stuff. So the author, I thought, Andy Weir, did a really good job of – Taking the sciencey stuff and folding it in in a way that you could understand. Mm-hmm. So it's not data dumps. It's not pages of equations or lists of things right. or stuff that you're like, oh, skip, skip, skip. Like you want to read it. You mm-hmm. want to see how he's going to do it. And the character, the main character, Mark Watley, is a pretty cool guy to be around. You don't mind it because 
the whole book is written well not the whole book but most of the book is from his point of view it's his journal entries his log entries right and he's doing that throughout the movie too Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so, a very long time before he can establish yeah. contact with Earth. So it's just him, mm-hmm. and he's just talking to himself, essentially. So if he wasn't a very likable character, you would nope out of it very quickly because oh, yeah. you wouldn't want to spend time. But he's a good guy. You want to spend time with him, and you want to see how resourceful he's going to be. So I thought all of that was good. The only criticism that I have about the book was that I could see the ending coming from kind of a mile away. Okay. Like, okay. I see what's going to happen now. And there's a point where um, you see the author doing that thing where it's like, okay, he's got to overcome this hardship. He overcomes this hardship and then things get better for a while. Oh no, another hardship. (laughs) He overcomes that. Now he's almost there. Oh no, it's the biggest hardship of all. You know, it's it's like, you know that that's going to happen because you just see the way he's setting up those plot points. So Mm -hmm. from that, excuse me, from that point of view, it's a little formulaic. You know, you just knew I was waiting. It's like, okay, hit me with the last hardship. I know it's going to happen. Yes. Yes. So there's that, but that's, I think that's the kind of book it is. So it's not that it could have been anything different. It's just that that's what it was. And once I accepted that that was the kind of book Mm -hmm. it was, I was like, okay, I'm just going to go with this. Yes. Um, so I definitely will recommend the book to people. Uh, it, it's it's an easy read. It's fun. It's funny. Um, it seems pretty realistic. A little bit heavy on the white guys, but, you know, what are you going to do? The author is a white guy, so that's not too surprising. See, the movie did, I thought, a, a really good job of, of de-whiting it. I didn't cool. know that about the book. But there are, are women and um, people from countries other than America all in positions where what they do matters, that it has an effect. Mm-hmm. And so you, you really, that's why I'm saying it's kind of a commercial for NASA because you really do see this teamwork of individual contributors who aren't there to, to just sit around and look concerned or look pretty or serve coffee or, you know, or, mm-hmm. or be underlings, you know, that there are people in charge of things. Cool. That's really good. Yeah. Did did they have um, the Chinese Space Agency? Yes. The did they play a pretty big part? Yes. Oh, good. Because in the book, they were there, and I thought that was fascinating. Yes, me to too. Because but, you know they didn't go heavy. It wasn't a heavy-handed movie on the politics or anything, but um, you know the 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 whole idea of them working together with the Chinese, mm-hmm. um, it was like. Uh, can we actually do this? Yeah. And and I just really was left with the feeling. And in the history of the world, this marked a turning point in in world relations. Mm-hmm. You know, for them to to be cooperative like this. Mm-hmm. Now, sadly, I have heard that there are people who think this is based on a true story. <gasps> what? There have been tweets. Of people saying I was coming out of the Martian, and the person behind me said, "That that's based on a true story, right? That's great." That that was Sean Kenny. He thinks. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry. That was the person behind them was Sean Kenny. I see. Okay, I got it. That's crazy. I know. Why? I Do know. They don't really even know that we have never put a human being on Mars. That's that's insane. Okay, mm-hmm. that's really weird. Um, I, I saw something on, it wasn't the NASA website, it was one of the science websites that I read, um, maybe it was Discovery, where they, they had a bunch of um, 
rocket scientists watched The Martian to get their reaction. And um, they thought it was really good. And they said the only really big flaw in it, which you have to kind of gloss over, is that if you were really on Mars for that long, the radiation would kill you. Um, and we haven't figured out how to not have the radiation kill you when you're on Mars. But oh, that's okay. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's a big issue because Mars doesn't have any kind of atmosphere. Oh, right, to protect you. To protect you. So um, you you can. I mean, there's ways to shield it, but he doesn't really have any shielding. You know, yeah. he's got his little spacesuit and he's got his bubble that he lives in. But yeah, yeah. but that's okay. You know, suspend your disbelief. It's right, fine. right. It's, it is a, a really wonderful movie. I really recommend it you know cool spend your well, money on that you can skip the christmas horror story <laughs> giving you permission thank you for for bringing that up and i'm glad we got to talk about yes. it um, it it seems like it is the book anyway seemed very much in the star trek spirit like mm-hmm. it was a positive uplifting story of man's ingenuity in space it wasn't grim dark and it no. wasn't monstrous and it wasn't all depressing and existential which i really enjoyed right. like let's not read something like right that. it was it was about exploration and the challenges and the rewards and you know yeah it's it's just really good and i was really glad no no monsters showed up or mm-hmm. you know anything like that yeah Good. Excellent. Yay. Okay. okay. Everybody go see that movie. Okay. And now? The autobiography of James T. Kirk. Have you finished it yet? No. Okay. Good. Neither have I. I'm a little past halfway. Oh, good. So am I. That's good. Okay, cool. Um, I took notes. I put some bookmarks in. Oh, good. Oh, you're so good. Well, I, I knew we would want to talk about it. And I have to tell you, my first impression was... This is a pretty good fanfic. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, especially the parts up until he gets the Enterprise. Uh-huh. Because once he gets the Enterprise, it's really just recaps of episodes. Yes. And at the end of each true. one, he says something like, I would come to regret that. <laughs> I would regret it the rest of my life. You know, he doesn't go into that was before uh-huh. six months later, but... <laughs> You know, that that's a card he's playing way too much. Uh-huh, uh-huh, um, yeah. But I want to go through my notes, and you jump in and shut me up when you have comments. Okay. Um, some of the things I thought he did good, mm-hmm. did well, was um, writing his meetings with, with characters we know. Mm-hmm. And especially, I thought, uh, Mitchell... Oh, yes. That we got to see more of Mitchell in the early days, what he was like, and that he was this smirky jerk, but <laughs> that he also was a genuinely intelligent guy and very loyal. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he also did a good job with Ben Finney, Yes, how they met and became mm-hmm. friends. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll tell you one thing I did not believe at all about the Academy part. I cannot believe that Kirk had no friends other than Ben and Gary. Yeah, I agree with that totally. And because I think if you were that much of a loner, a stick in the mud, or however he's trying to paint himself, um, he would not have risen fast in Starfleet, even if he rose very high at all. I agree. I, I and this is a problem I have with the first part of the book. Mm-hmm. He, he doesn't have any friends except for um, the guy on the ship. Tom Layton. Yes, yes. He, he talks about no one. Yes, and he's That's got crazy. this very pathetic, sad family life. Ugh. 
And my objection to that is, okay, yeah, it's a dramatic thing, blah, 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 blah. But he, of course, nobody's, you know, fully formed at the age of 18 when they go off to college or anything, but he would not come to be the the person who's so comfortable in his own skin Mm -hmm. if he had that kind of a life. And I realize I think what the author's trying to do is to tie this quote unquote abandonment and coldness by his parents to his guilt about David. But I'm thinking you could just as easily play that the other way, which is that he had not, you know, the fantastic Disney World childhood, but that he had like a good childhood. He knew he was loved. He had friends and he could feel guilty that he wasn't doing that for his son. Yeah, exactly. That's the way I always took it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I feel like what we see, my opinion, what we see of Kirk in the show is that he's a pretty well-adjusted individual. He really right? is. And it, to be and, the, the captain of a starship, I mean, when he gets the ship, you know, um, Chris Pike is telling him, um, you're really flying without a net on a Constitution mm-hmm. class. You're going to be so far out. You know, you've got to handle it all. Mm-hmm. And you don't so, get that if 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 uh, if you cannot communicate, if you do not play well with others, because mm-hmm. the exactly. off-duty hours are an important part of ship life. Yeah, I, I totally. So it, we don't see any of that. We don't see any of his social development Mm-mm. from from childhood through when he finally comes to the academy. He doesn't mention any friends. I cannot believe that his first sexual experience was with Ruth. That's stupid. That is just stupid. <laughs> what do you mean stupid? I use that. Oh, no, I didn't. Okay. <laughs> I mean, really, he never kissed a girl before he was yeah. 18 at yeah. the Academy. Get out of here. Yeah. That's ridiculous. That's just, that's so not Kirk, mm-hmm. you know? He's, you don't go from being an 18-year-old virgin who's never kissed a girl to being Captain James T. Kirk. I mean, you just, it doesn't happen in that sort of time. Smooth and charming. Charming hotness. So that just threw me out of the oh, story. Yeah. I was uh, like rolling my eyes as a reader. Yes. Now, here's like something that. that cracked me up. I had to stop and read these sentences a couple of times. Ruth was in Starfleet. Yeah. <laughs> and she worked in records. Yeah. I don't know if you remember this. But that was Brant's cover, because you can't say you're in special <laughs> ops. Uh, and that was funny. like the most bland, useless job I could think of. Oh, it's funny. You know, I have to say, one big part of this was I kept waiting for Brant to show up. I seriously Oh, you're was. so good. The whole time at the Academy, I was like, where is she? Where, is she? where are they? Why are they not doing things together? Yes. <laughs> well, let's talk about the Kobayashi Maru. Okay, and then I want to talk about the Academy as well. Okay. Um, His solution was very, very similar to mine. Yes, it was. And that made me a little sad. (laughs) Because, first of all, it's my solution. I thought Mm -hmm. of it first. Well, he read your your fic, obviously. Well, that's what I was wondering. (laughs) (laughs) You know, not to put my whole ego out on display, but also a side note or footnote or whatever, um... Strange New Worlds is back this year for the 50th anniversary. And I was seriously thinking, now that, uh, you know, 
I'm kind of over fanfic and stuff. It <laughs> might be fun to take my Kobayashi Maru story, you know, cut it down, polish it up, and send it in. But now it's just a ripoff of the autobiography. <laughs> Yeah. Or that's how it'd be seen. Mm-hmm. I think you're right, even yeah. though you wrote it such a long time ago. I know. I know. Oh. Um, I, I I agree with all that. I thought that your um, aftermath of the test where he had to defend himself was way better than what was in this book. Well, this book, it was quite brief. Yeah. But the, his basic, you know, he makes the statement, which... I almost thought, my God, is this word for word what I wrote? <laughs> but I know it wasn't. But, you know, as a captain, it's my duty to do whatever I need to to protect my crew. Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, and that was, at, you know, the heart of my story. Yeah, I agree. Well, I like the way you wrote it better. Thank one you. Thing. And I thought you your Kirk was far more eloquent in actually expressing what he was trying to get out. Well, this is, this is something we talked about earlier when, uh, uh, I was going to say Jim, when Bill read some of it mm-hmm. and we're saying, it's a lot of tell and not show. Yeah. And there really is not a lot of character coming through. There's yes. events. Mm-hmm. I agree, and I think you get far more characterization of the people that Kirk interacts with than you do of Kirk himself. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I it, thought, it doesn't have his voice. Yeah, so you know, McCoy is is well done. It, I just we got introduced to Spock, and he seems on point. Mm-hmm. Mitchell is amazing. Yes, Finney is great. There's a lot of really good characterization, but I, there's not much of Kirk there you know it's 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 very yeah it's like I first I did this and then I did this mm-hmm. and then I did this and I don't get a lot of his interior life I don't get a lot of his motivations except what we're told mm-hmm. you know it's like and then I was determined that I was going to join Starfleet and okay <laughs> I tell you once you get into the part where he's recapping episodes mm-hmm. some of them are are recapped so superficially mm. that it's like and he puts in nothing new between them. So it's like the TV show was all the high points of Kirk's life. <laughs> and that was kind of disappointing because I thought he was doing a good job of spackling some stuff when he was writing in the time period before that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, when he was in the Academy and, and his early postings and everything with Captain Garavik yeah. And yeah. Hmm. Well, um, there, there, yeah, I, I agree. The, the early stuff was good. I'm, I'm just starting to get into the episode stuff now, mm-hmm. so I, I haven't quite gotten through a lot of the episode recaps. Um, the, the things that that are bugging me. Well, okay, I want to talk about the academy for a minute. Okay, yes, this part really bugged me. So, everything that we see of Starfleet Academy from, um. Well, we don't see hardly anything of it in TOS, but in TNG, we see a lot of yeah, it. Yeah, and he and, talks and, about it in TOS. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, we see different things happening, and it's and I thought part of it where he's talking about how hard it is, like, you have to take all these classes, and it's not just regular classes, and it's physical fitness, and you have to know about xenobiology and all these things. It's like a lot. Mm-hmm. And people drop out, and that all seems really fine. Yes. Um, what I didn't think was realistic, and which I never got through any of the other series was this whole abuse that the first years get from the upper class. Yeah. Not just 
to make them tough, but just because they felt like fucking with them. It's like, wait a minute, that is totally not what Starfleet Academy is about. And just because they do that now at military academies mm-hmm. doesn't make it right. And it doesn't make it the kind of thing that they would allow at an academy. Yeah. That, that people could physically and mentally abuse you. I mean, not just playing practical jokes, but actual abuse that mm-hmm. could be damaging to you physically or mentally. Yeah. Fuck that shit. That's not going to be at Starfleet I Academy. I know. I know. I agree with you completely. And that just totally, I was reading it and I was like, what the hell is this? Like, no, that's not the way it's going to be. Why would you, like, they just wouldn't let that happen at Starfleet. Mm-hmm. Just because it's a military tradition now does not mean that it would get carried forward into the future. So I strongly reject that. I do too. I absolutely do too. So um, that was, that really, really bugged me. And that kind of colored my whole perception of the Academy thing was just like, <laughs> it made me really mad. And, and also that, you know, we read about this happening to Kirk, but as Kirk becomes further along in the Academy, he doesn't do it to anybody else. Or we don't hear about it. Or we don't hear about it. So yeah. What? So it our, just... so if it's just a few bad apples, that seems to be the type of thing Starfleet would weed you out. Exactly. Yeah. Because there's a whole thing about like, oh, well, we don't report on each other and it's an honor code where you don't tell on people for abusing underclassmen. Yeah, that's ridiculous. No, that's not what an honor code is about, Mm -hmm. actually. Mm -hmm. You know, that's dysfunctional and that's what makes military academies dysfunctional places that they are. And that's why, you know, people get raped in the military and no one talks about it because the code of honor. Is that the way it's really going to be in the future? I sure as hell hope not. I hope not. I feel very passionately about this. I can tell, tell, and I agree with you. I think you're 100% right. Yeah. So, anyway, that really bugged me. Um, Well, on a lighter moment. uh, Yes. There was a huge, let's say tip of the hat, not ripoff, of Galaxy Quest. Oh, which part? Which part? Okay. It's before he has the Enterprise. Uh Uh-huh. And this is the backstory of when... Gary says to him in 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 TOS, <laughs> yes. um, I took a dart for you. Yes, that's the, yes, yes. Yeah. You're right. You're absolutely right. Yes. So can I tell it, please? Because it's really good. Okay. Yeah. So they've burnt out their dilithium crystals. They're not on the Enterprise. It's something else. Oh, nearby there's a planet that has some mm-hmm. <laughs> beryllium spheres. I mean dilithium <laughs> crystals. And they get down there and they're getting them, and all these vicious. Aliens come pouring over the hill as run for your lives. Yep. I laughed so hard. Yes, you are absolutely right. That's totally Galaxy Quest. Yep, it sure is. And I'm thinking he did, I think, put in some little tips of the hat to various things. Oh, he totally did. I noticed that two of the names, I mean, I'm Mm -hmm. sure there are a lot more, but two of them um, there were two people that he went to the academy with, and one of them was called Jim Corrigan. So Jim Corrigan is the name of um, a superhero called the Spectre. Oh, okay. Um, who has been in comic books forever. And then um, the other one was Adam Castro, and that's a reference to Adam Troy Castro, who's a science fiction writer who has been involved in Trek. Okay. Um, and he's pretty well known. So I was like, oh, how nice, you know. Well, sp- name checking your friends. That's cool. Speaking of names, in the early part... Kirk tells us that his grandfather was um, part Sioux Indian, mm-hmm. and his name was James Ogalisha Davis. 
Yes. And he says, I don't know what this means, but there's a footnote that tells us it means wears a red shirt. Yeah, that was funny. I mean, they, you know, little things like that. Those were good. And the first third or so of the book, except for, you know, what, what we've said about the Academy and him not having any friends, but like I said, he does a lot of good little spackle that if you know TOS, mm-hmm. you kind of are eating it up. Oh, that's how they met. Yeah. You know, that, oh, that's what leads to blah, 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 you know. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I it, it seemed a little bit heavy-handed by the end of that period. Mm-hmm. Like, the scene where he beams down to a planet and he meets Koloth, it's like, no. Yeah, why is <laughs> you that? You know, just why? Why did you have to put that in there? I know you wanted to name-check mm-hmm. a character and put it in, but it seemed very unlikely. And especially because in the context of the show, when Kirk and Koloth finally meet in Trouble with Tribbles, it, it's very much a peer-to-peer relationship. Mm-hmm. Like they've obviously encountered each other before when they were both captains, when they were both on the same level mm-hmm. and they had some kind of interaction. It wasn't a like Koloth being a captain and Kirk being a junior officer and encountering each other in this, you know, kind of fraught with danger situation really because it seemed like in in the scene where they meet something could happen Mm -hmm. but when in trouble with tribbles they're very much you know like yes we know we hate each other but diplomacy prevents us from doing anything about it yeah so I, i just felt like that was not the right character to have there no it wasn't they they clearly met under some other circumstances right in my in my opinion well i am thinking I will probably just skim the rest of this because <laughs> uh-huh. I, uh, I, I want to see like what he does with Helen Noel mm-hmm. and um, Miramani mm-hmm. and um, Marlena. Yes. I want to see how he spackles the lost years. Yeah. Um, but I am really skimming now through the episodes because <laughs> he isn't adding anything to them Mm -hmm. or giving us a better understanding of Kirk. One of the things that I thought was so interesting, I thought, I wish somebody would write a whole story about this, is have you gotten to the enemy within part? No, I'm just before that. Okay, later on, you know, he's spackling why we don't see Rand anymore. Uh And he says, and I thought, this is fascinating. I never thought about it, that Kirk, now that he's whole, remembers all the actions, all the things Evil Kirk Uh, did, and uh that it really still bothers him that this is in himself. Mm -hmm. And I thought, that's a really interesting idea. And the way he handles it in this is not very Kirkian. And I think we're supposed to be getting the idea that, well, you know, it's his first year as captain of the Enterprise and stuff, and I'm thinking... Uh, no, you know, he, he's more mature than what you're depicting mm-hmm. at that point. Okay. Well, I'm going to look for that when I get to mm-hmm. it. Because I'm thinking that is really an interesting idea that I never even considered. Hmm. Okay, cool. Well, I will look forward. Yes, I want to read the mirror stuff for sure. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it kind of made me think of uh, a fanfic that Killo wrote. And mm-hmm. it's, I can't quote the line exactly, but it's an idea that has always stayed with me. I thought it was so great. It was something like, uh, thanks to transporter accidents and, and alien gases and all these things, I have seen more of myself than is good for any man. Mm-hmm. And, or I know more, you know, and I yeah. thought, wow, 
That's good. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. Well, if anybody out there has also read it, we would love to know what you think. Yes. Um, it's available. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it as an ebook. I think we're both reading it as ebooks. Yes. Right now. Yes. So it is there. Cool. Well, it, it's such an interesting um, concept. You know, I'm I'm kind of surprised that they let somebody do it. It's clearly not going to be canon, but it's you know it's sort of paramount uh, embracing fan fiction a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As much as they ever do. Yeah. Yeah. So I wouldn't say it's the best fan fiction I ever read, or even <laughs> among the the really good ones, but. There are some delightful little spackles, like his spackle of how Kirk knew how to make gunpowder. Yes. I thought was good. It was it was very good. But I he overplays that. it. And I'm since you haven't gotten to the Gorn Fight Club episode, I'm not gonna mm-hmm. tell you. But yeah. um, you know, he he did some nice things like that. It's just once he gets into the part where we know what happened because we've seen it three million times, um, he really just briefly, briefly recaps the events, and we don't get much of Kirk's take on it other than, I felt bad about that. <laughs> All right. Well, um, let's let's continue on, and let's at least get to the end, whether we read it or skim it, and see how it ends. Okay. I want to see how it ends. Okay. Yeah. Be good. All right. Well, gosh, this is a long show. Yes. Well, we had um, some big topics. We did have so big topics. So much going on. And even... More things to talk about next time. So um, we will be back, listeners, in a couple of weeks with even more to talk about. Please check us out on Facebook and our Tumblr and let us know what's going on with you and what things we should be looking for. Let us know about Murdoch Mysteries and if you've seen The Martian and if you read the autobiography of James T. Kirk. Yes. We want to know what you're thinking. We do. Um, Thank you, as always, for listening. We really do appreciate your support. We love our fans. We do. And until next time, live long and potluck. Yay, we love potlucks. (laughs) Bye. Bye.